Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the next installment of Star Peace, rewriting the narrative of our mainstream collective consciousness from something we don't want to something we do want. And today I am so happy to welcome the lovely Lara Berrylove, who is a dear friend, a soul sister, a star sister, and a phenomenal being that has so much to share. I have no idea how I'm going to pack it into a, an hour, but we're going to make it happen. Before I actually give you the opportunity to hear this wonderful wise woman's words and for us to dive into our topics, I wanted to just let you know a little bit about her. So I am going to be channel Lara right now. <laughs> I am Lara Fairylove Stockbridge, mother of Blue, Jake, Jenny and Angel Benjamin. I am a traditional birth, life and death assistant serving the itinerant peoples of our planet, author of The Princess and the Pooh, published in the UK by Ames and also as a translation in France, Latvia and the Czech Republic. Writer and director of Psychological Birth, the musical for the Global Midwifery Council, contributor to Midwifery Today and teacher at Dalaluth Birth Oasis in Spain. From my trusty traveling home, I and my family host red tents across the UK and Europe and also hold workshop spaces for Fanny Yoga, How Babies Get Born, Self Love, Rainbow Chakra Dancing, Drum Journey Adventures, Fire Spinning, Fire Singing and Bubble Blowing. I am passionately involved in living, loving and experiencing the amazing life we have created. This amazing life we have created. This year I have created the sequels to my first book. They are now printed and are in circulation, available to order via my website. And I will give you the details to that, my friends. The Princess and the Pooh, The Princess and the Palace, The Rose of Rebellion. Those are the book titles. I've also created a how-to manual to help with creation of red tents by people who, for people, same price, same order details, and our red tent. And I have been writing the story, my answer to Harry Potter and the Bible. This is the bit that is what we're really here for today, because this is so exciting. A novel in eight parts. The first four parts are now written, telling the lives and evolution of two girls of the Fenlands. One Shala, 5,000 years in the past, as she prepares for her in bulk full moon egg ceremony. And one 200 years in the future, Sophie who has escaped the horrors of the one true God industry and has found her way to the sanctuary where she begins her healing journey, a story of rebirth, regeneration and evolution. The first part, First Light, has now been printed. Also with the soul communion and connection with my brother, lover, Crystal, Hope Jaram, sorry if I'm saying this wrong, you're gonna to have to tell me his name again, uh, Lara. I have created the Forager Rune Tarot, and these are something else that are absolutely so exciting that we're going to talk about today. And it's all available on larafairylove.co.uk. With my roots firmly connected to the earth, I reach my branches connected to the sky. My heart is my center connecting earth and sky. Fairydoula.co.uk. So this woman, well, this being of love and light, you know, we're in the age of the the her story and reliving this and understanding our story but ultimately you are one wonder being and that's what i want to say like ultimately what you're bringing back to us in terms of indigenous wisdom in terms of the importance of pleasure in our thriving future if we really want to have a thriving future as humanity it's off the scale 
But let's hear from you. How are you today? What are you coming with today, lovely Lara? How did that excitement. all feel? <laughs> excitement. <laughs> and Rosa the dog. And Rosa the dog, So we've already had a chat about where we wanted to go with this today. And for those who are new to Star Peace, rewriting the narrative of our collect collective uh, consciousness, ultimately, what we're doing is rediscovering ancient wisdom and bringing it into our present consciousness so that we can rewrite the future because we only have one version of the past that's called history and history is very slanted towards a, wor a world of struggle struggle to survive rather than being prepared to thrive and we have so much wisdom that has basically been lost that needs to be brought back and you're doing a really wonderful job of that we know each other from years back don't we really like we we met through vanessa brooks dialuth and um that's the key thing is recognizing that when people come into our lives they come into our lives for a reason season lifetime and um when it comes to actually being in a position where i think we might have lost laura she's coming back now there she is yeah uh, when it comes to us being able to understand these connections go well beyond this physical journey, that we've known each other a tremendous time. And when the time is right, we come together to activate codes in each other. And I had Lara knocking on my door going, hey, I want to tell you about these cards. And I was like, I'm busy, I'm busy. And then she knocked on my door again and again, I'm busy, I'm busy. And if there's anything I've really learned as a true valuable tool for us moving into the future, it's knock on the door again and again and again until that door gets answered because it is so important for us. But I could bang on and on about how brilliant you are. I would like to hear from you. And our context for today really is being able to awaken the consciousness of the listeners to, to things that are really exciting, that help us make some sense of how we've got to where we've got to, and how what choices we are required to make to go somewhere different in the future. Um, now, there are certain things we want to tap on, which we're not going to sort of focus on today. But, you know, I describe Lara in simple terms as a grassroots activist, but actually you extended that title. Do you want to tell us how you describe it? And unmute yourself because you're currently muted, darling. Yay, there we go tech fairy in the house <laughs> all right then so grassroots authentic anarchist yeah that's it working with our planet and our connection to continuously assist us to co-create this new reality that's based in oxytocin instead of adrenaline Oh, thank you so much for mentioning that because I would have got to the end and totally, totally forgotten. So our rewriting the narrative is a revolution in hormones. It is shifting away from this adrenaline addiction that's gone on for so long into an addiction to love, to oxytocin, to all the love hormones that help us to thrive and the neurotransmitters and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we kind of have been approaching this from a different angle. You've been grassroots. I've been coming from a top down approach. And at the moment, star peace as a concept is all about bringing together those who are 
unsung heroes, um, everyday heroes, people that maybe aren't in the limelight or aren't super famous, if you like, but are doing amazing work that really needs to be seeded into our narrative as quickly as possible through our pop cultural entertainment, right? Through our movies, through our TV series, through our books, through our, um, you know, uh, albums, etc. So that we're, we're telling these stories now, we're bringing them back to life. And um, at the same time, bringing together those who are well known, maybe in the public eye, who already esteemed and recognized and yet are doing amazing work on on the often behind the scenes to actually raise the consciousness of humanity and contribute to world peace in one way, shape or form. So we're bringing everyone together and we're energetically calling in Keanu Reeves because we know he's a part of the story and he's a part of Star Peace energetically. So I just really want to bring that energy in right from the start. And here's where we're going to go very quickly. Lara, we have the festival scene, we have travelers rights, we have government support as key areas to in, incite rage, right? And, and how we've stayed stuck in this um, struggle loop, if you like, and how it's passed from one generation to the next. We only want to tap on those so we can then get into what the solution is. But do you want to briefly describe your connection to the traveling scene, the original um, festival scene and your experience with government support? Yeah. All right. Let's see if I can break it down into a nice short paragraph. I'm going to give it a go. So I am the resonation of love and light. Yeah, my soul knew that when I was born, but I kind of forgot with 18 years living in a bungalow with my awesome incredibly normal parents so I went out there for 30 years to see if I could find it yeah and the first, and the place I most found the love was in places like strawberry fair and people gathering yeah in the woods like parties raves these things yeah all people being together and slowly through that I realized that there wasn't as much love there as I thought there was, and actually people were quite disconnected and there was quite a lot of drugs, there was quite a lot of special brew and things like that. And slowly out of this kind of leftovers from the peace convoy and the battle of the bean field, this group of people that were still traveling around and going to Europe and trying to find this thing evolved into this festival industry where people who'd been doing it as a life before based on ideas and ideals that they'd seen in the peace convoy and they'd seen from traveling people before this festival industry came out of it however so me and awesome Josie created the welfareies because what we realized was in the festival industry no one was looking after the people who came there to have an experience who were probably going to get off their face maybe hey because that's what they think it is and so we looked after people so we did like 15 years of welfareing across the country and that's why people know who we are <laughs> and um yeah looked after a lot of people and yeah realized that nah, nah, the industry of the thing called festival is not the place where people are to be held it's the place where people are to be made money out of mm -hmm. and so after a good 15 years of that and properly proving that we are awesome able to care and respond to people in a field always unjudgmentally yeah unconditionally after doing that for 15 years yay with our absolute total lack of boundaries because neither of us had any that's why we could do it yeah <laughs> we'd auditioned well and so both me and Josie then gave birth to some dead babies 
And well, no, that's a lie. Josie gave birth to a live baby, Billy Rose, who is now one of our guides. She died when she was six months old, and that is its own learning. Then after that, I gave birth to Angel Benjamin. He died just before he got born, and he is also our angelic guide. Yeah, so then we utilized everything we'd learned and everything that kept us safe when we were helping everybody else to help ourselves. Because if we didn't, we would have died. And between us and our children, we create the rainbow bridge of connection, which brings us to where we are now. Yeah. So the reason I made it really short is because in that middle bit, sometimes I get filled with rage about what happened to the people within the festival industry and what is still happening. However, I am a testament and so is Josie a testament to don't just get all raging upset about people who are broken, behaving like toddlers. Use your rage, focus your wage, focus your will and your intention and create something better. So that's what we've done. She's made this awesome book called Lives Worth Living and gives um, seminars and workshops for people who work within the birth paradigm in hospitals to help them communicate with people when their babies have scans that say they might have odd cells, yeah? And she works on that and it is amazing and wonderful. And I have worked out that quite a lot of people are wounded. That's why they behave like toddlers. I'm holding my hand up for that. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I behaved like a toddler for a really long time. Yeah, just because I didn't know how wounded I was, yeah? And when I stopped looking after everybody else and started looking after me, I realised how upsetting some bits off so you know five years worth of therapy with this awesome lady sandra loads of energetic therapies loads of self-reflection i started to write a book mm. it's called the story <laughs> and it's basically the story of why and how but within it it has healing energetic practices which as you read them they work on yourself yeah so as you read it you become more connected with yourself more connected with the planet and more connected with all of the ways that you could create an actual beautiful pleasurable co-created experience yeah so it's got all manner of things in there you know I mean? we're going to dive into some of that and thank thank you for that i'm laughing because as soon as you started talking the drilling started the banging started so we're constructing a new world as we speak we have to totally go with this these sessions are uncensored right they're unedited we just go in with the energy because the listeners are actually going to receive it and what you said to me about that the story is like wow also let's just touch again on the fact that you're talking about both you and your friend remind me of your friend's name Josie Josie so both you and Josie have dealt with the loss of a child you know either at the end of a pregnancy or soon after which is a huge issue that does not get addressed uh, we do not get supported to, to grieve, to make peace with, to clear our cellular memory so that the next time round we are in a space where we can welcome with light in our wombs what we are, you know, the babies that are coming, the star seeds that are coming. So one of the things I talk about is intergenerational trauma and how that's being passed on because although as women we may well be very aware of the toxicity in the collective, we might not be aware of the toxicity in our wombs that we have absorbed, that we haven't cleared, that has passed from one generation to the next. And you know, if we look at, for example, the political leaders of the world today, the, the decision makers in the medical community, in the scientific community, in, in any area which is shaping our future society, we have to ask that question, 
are they well <laughs> you know or are they also wounded toddlers doing their best to try and you know create something safe and good for the world but coming from a very broken place which i also see in the entertainment industry and for me this is a big issue because so many of us you're a creative i'm a creative if we don't learn how to transmute that pain and work on every level we end up putting it out in the collective and amplifying it and that's why there is a responsibility that comes now with us having the knowledge the wisdom and even the scientific research that tells us how to prevent this occurring again in the future so there's a big cleanup job going on you've been doing it you've already said you made the switch from helping everyone else to helping yourself you briefly touched on the the festival scene and i get why we're not going to go into the depths because it it it's awful what what has gone on the way everything has been hijacked and we're, we're making this the day after Easter Monday, right? No, it's Wednesday, two days later. So we do, we're aware of the fact that we've just had a, a festival, if you like, or a holiday where people associate it with Easter eggs and don't really get the fact that there was this awesome dude that came to this earth with a great message. He was totally persecuted. And then once he was killed, he was made into a saint. His story was, uh, or his, his intentional story was, um tampered with if you like and you know some fake news was put out that the world has basically taken on as the word and this is all part if i intuit on what the story is about and actually being in a place where we we piece together what hasn't been said and we learn am i on the right tracks with that yeah man yeah because the baseline is we existed before trauma yeah right we had bodies at one point which were not traumatized. Yeah, we were connecting with the planet and with all of the realms that we can no longer see because we were traumatized, yeah? We were here before trauma. We were here before anyone kicked us away, you know, overruled us, like overbullied us, overtold us, any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we were here before all of that, yeah? And the reason I made the timeline and the reason I've made the story be... 5,000 years in the past and 200 years in the future is to remind us that these bodies, which are genetically informed, have a wealth of at least 80,000 years worth of history that only the stuff we've recorded, which is informing our body, alongside the 8,000 years of patriarchy. Yeah, so actually, as it goes, we've been untraumatized for longer than we've been traumatized. And this is just us in this last eight years since women got into medicine and stuff, unpacking it and witnessing ourselves and witnessing our responses to things until we can bring them out and go, ah, oh, that's that. So that's why I've written the book so we can start the healing because until you start the healing, you can't really do anything. But part of the healing and the divine dichotomy is you don't have to do any of it. You are perfect already. Yeah. <laughs> and if you fancy, if you're interested, if you're into it, if some of these feelings you don't like and you'd actually like them to jog on, you could do this stuff. But it's not like everyone's broken, they've all got to be healed. It's more like whoever feels like it, get involved. Yeah. Whoever doesn't, get involved with the thing that brings you joy. Yeah. Follow your joy. Exactly. Yeah. But follow your joy. When it comes to pain, and the pain that's inflicted in the world we know that those that are causing pain 
have to be in pain themselves. You you don't go about causing pain if you're not in pain yourself. So the, the remedy for all of us is follow your joy. What brings you joy? But we have inherited a load of conditioning that can keep us trapped in this struggle cycle. And just before we really do go into that solution, bringing in this awareness of, of how the the traveling scene and government support, certainly in the UK and the festival scene, you know, the original beings of this land that have roamed freely, that have been able to live our lives, you know, close to nature are all but being annihilated at this present time. You know, we have huge companies offsetting their carbon footprints by buying up loads of pieces of land out in the countryside, which means that everyone is being squished into towns and into a smart technological lifestyle. And we're facing at the moment the, the choice between reconnecting to our roots, reconnecting to our natural cycles, which is what you're such an advocate of, which does connect us to pleasure and joy, versus the the what Rachel Elner calls the transhuman agenda. And this is not about transgender, I want to make that really clear. Everybody has a right to express themselves as they wish and to align with what is true for them as part of this experiential journey of being on this earth in a physical form. But when we're talking about having our humanity stripped from us so that we are automatons, if I say that right, so that we actually are not feeling based at all and we're just heavily programmed and conditioned to fulfill a role for someone else, something else, this takes us very much into Brave New World Territory, Aldous Huxley, you know, 1984, all of those stories, which are not the stories we want to energize. Yet they are the stories in the mainstream entertainment industry, right? The stories have been put out there. And I see this with a lot of screenwriters that are, I believe are incredibly well-meaning, but in their own trauma themselves, that the focus is on the problem. Look, here's the problem. Here's the problem. And we that is a stepping stone you can't create a solution without opening pandora's box and going oh my goodness there's a load of stuff here i didn't know was there but literally let's just move on right it's the spring yeah. water now we don't want to create more of that let's create something else right so yeah so witnessing you know what i mean the whole game of witnessing without over identifying yeah yeah so i witness that the story of separation has been what has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And the original separation is us from ourselves. Yeah. And then us from the planet and then us from each other. And this is where the story of the travelers comes in. Yeah. Because the Christians put in their storybook that um, there was Cain and Abel. Yeah. One of them walked the land, the other one, made fences the one who walked the land just walked on through so that's a Cain and Abel story yeah one of them killed the other one in the end it's a bit of a pants story yeah but that bible story went alongside the enclosures acts yeah which separated the people who lived in the houses from the people who didn't live in the houses roll on a little bit further after the war most of the people who were still traveling around were made to live in houses, a bit like the Nazis made the Jews, but no one makes too much of a fuss about it. And then sometime a little bit after that, about 20 years later, lots of children of people who'd grown up in houses went, but we don't want this life. We want to do something else. And that's when the Peace Convoy came along and the Stonehenge Free Festivals and all of that stuff. And it's been okay for a bit, yeah? But always 
councils have endeavoured to separate anyone who's moving around. So there's new travellers, there's real travellers, there's Romney travellers, you know, you know Diddy Coys, which is like slang name for mix of people is not very friendly, yeah? But this end of it is quite interesting because the separation of the people who go to festivals and have a van that they camp in, the government and the industry has done its best to completely separate them from people who just live in caravans and live in trucks. So while on the one side, fully empowering a festival industry where you book your ticket and you go there and you get searched and you go into a place, you have your barcode on your wristband, 100% fully backing all of that and everyone making money all over the place. At the same time, doing their best to bring in these rules that make it illegal to do the same thing. Yeah? So the irreality of the reality that's being sold is pretty hilarious. So to change that, what we've been working on for the last five years, me, Trina, awesome Feng Fairy, yeah, has created the No Fixed Abode Travellers Collective and Coalition, yeah? And we have been working really, really hard to connect all the kinds of people who like to live there. Yeah, everyone's got a story from their community where the other community did something bad and then they got, but we've got to get rid of it. Yeah, right. So we have a coalition. Yeah, we support anybody who wants to do these things. Yeah. And we're not against anyone who lives in a house. But at the same time, we've got to remember that we're all one and we have to get over it. Yeah. So that's what we've been working on. So NFATS, coalition and collective, wonderful people between us over the last five years and with the um, Walkers Association, we changed the government thing. The government said it was going to take back all of the footpaths of England and the green lanes of England that weren't registered. Yeah, just because no one used them anymore, is what they said. Yeah, so we sent out the thing. Everyone did all the walking. We did the thing. And um, this year, about three months ago, the government went, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. That was people power. That was people walking the roads power. That was people actually believing that even though they're a oh, Jakey Boy traveller, right, they're the same as the lady who's part of the Ramblers Association. They're the same as the lady who lives in the caravan who just got evicted off the local park because there's nowhere to go. We're all the same people and we're all supporting each other. It's, yeah. yeah. There you that, go. That, that is, thing. No, that is so important because actually, the, you know, when we talk about indigenous wisdom, wherever we come from, there is indigenous wisdom, right? Those who are the code keepers, if you like, of nature's secrets around us, you know, whether you and I both have both been involved in birth work, Vanessa is in herself um, a traditional midwife, a lay midwife, so not medically trained, you know, doula skills, etc. Some of the things I learned at Daraluth, which is phenomenal. It's like keeping these skills alive because our um, development of technology is actually making us reliant on the technology and forgetting how to actually save lives on the grassroots level and how to prevent the problems because some of the things you talked about made me think about sex at dawn so there's a book called sex at dawn i don't know if you've read it but it's about how you know when women when we started to bring marriage in when we started to bring in fences when we started to say this is my land my wife my this my that that was part of this separation story and also the separation from our wisdom as women in terms of how our creativity, sexuality and fertility are so strongly linked, right? Now, only recently, I think it was on um, 
it was on International Women's Day. We had an apology in the Scottish um, Parliament for all the women that were burnt at the stake and basically, um, well, accused of being witches, whatever that is, other than a herbalist, right? Um, and, you know, what was it? A million women, a million women, which is, that was a, a genocide, right? And it's happened. And it's very difficult not to feel rageful when you consider what has happened and what is going on now that we are all being told about, you know, is for our highest good, the greater good, and we keep buying the bullshit. And, you know, basically it's it's really sad until we wake up, which we are doing, and that's our focus. But again, you've done everything on a shoestring budget. You've done everything literally with nature supporting you. And this is why I wanted to touch base on the, the government support as well, because at the moment it's cool to go to a festival, as you said, to pay your expensive ticket to, basically go and lose your head for a few days because life feels too oppressive the rest of the time. So we're allowed to do that in a controlled, you know, space, right? Where we think we're free. We think we've got choices. We think all the rest of it, but it's only on the basis that we're a slave the rest of the time, right? And that we're actually towing the line. Anyone who dares to live their life as a free sovereign being is basically being under attack at the present being at the present time and has been for a very long time right it's like what you just said we have to fight at present for what is already ours right but it's part of a recommitting to what is true what is valuable for us what we want as a humanity a humane society of of living beings as i would say it rather than just living breathing but doing as we're told and unaware of the impact because we become food we become food, energetic food. What is our vibrational level? Who's feeding off us? And you're talking about, you know, the original separation being from ourselves. And, you know, for me, I interpret that as as the, as the source, right? We're, I, we don't have to use the word God, but it is literally like, we're all one. That is the ocean of love, right? We have separated from that ocean to, in order to know ourselves and we're on a, in a process of reconnecting with that ocean and coming back into that oneness because we know we know now the importance of being a collective as well as an individual within that so that final piece on that is simply that our welfare system because you talked about being a welfare right and being in a place where you were supporting those who really needed help because they were choosing to get off their heads for whatever reason and then in that moment needed support the welfare system as we have it across the world is not about welfare it's about struggle fare it's about here have just enough to stay alive but you're not allowed to thrive and you know you've been a single mum, I've been a single mum, the future didn't look bright, right, for anyone in terms of actually, all right, well, your kids will leave, and then your government support will stop, and then, well, why don't you get a job in a supermarket, you know, because that's, that's what we want for you, we want you to contribute to society now, because we have paid for you all these years, right, and there's all this subtle stuff that goes on, we know it, we're, we're putting the spotlight on it, and now we're saying, all right, let's draw the line. Let's get into what we can do instead, because through nature, we can reconnect to what it means to thrive, what it means to be joyful. It doesn't cost anything. Through what you are offering to the world, through your amazing creations, 
it's, there's a re-education in story form that allows us again to remember the tales of old. The Aborigines do it, the Maoris do it, the American Indians do it. All indigenous beings know that it's an oral tradition of passing from one generation to the next. The information that is key, right? It's one thing to survive harsh, harsh conditions. It's another thing to be in a time where we can thrive. And now is that opportunity. So over to you. Tell us more. <laughs> so in the in the whole welfare thing, we realised that we were the generation that fully wanted to connect with the oneness. And we did. Yeah. However, all of us did it with no boundaries and no roots. Yeah. Fully unconnected to our base energy centre, fully unconnected to our feelings and our emotions. Whoop, whoop. We're amazing. We were warriors. We were fantastic. The ones of us that didn't die, we did really well. Yeah. <laughs> However, once you realise that we're all one and everything and all that and there is enough and all those things, what we had to realise is that actually got no roots. And this is what this is all about. Because in the end, the question was, why? The simple answer is 8,000 years of patriarchy. But, you know... <laughs> boring <laughs> can't be bothered to go into it there'll be a little picture later on if you like of a timeline that's like informed shall we do you want to bring that up now like if you want to stick it up you can yeah so i want to yeah i just want to again highlight this very quickly before you go into the details because as you said everyone hear this eighty thousand years right of us thriving of us knowing how to be in harmony last eight thousand years patriarchy struggle systems all the rest of it have i got that right in what you've just yeah. said yeah yeah and, and then there was another eight you mentioned yeah and then there's 80 years right it's been 80 years since women were allowed into the medical system as doctors as people empowered instead of servants yeah and so stuff has been changing it's been our story ever since then it's just that it's taking us a while to realize it's taking us a while to be empowered in these conversations it's taking us a while because there's been stuff to move you know two years of everyone being locked up looking at themselves really kind of helped i have to say yeah like people kind of witnessed themselves when that stuff's horrible and came to a decision either went yes i'm gonna have a look at that and deal with it or they went absolutely not really don't want to and what everyone's got to remember is both those ways are groovy yeah if you feel the urge to change something do it if you don't, just do what brings you joy, yeah? And if you don't know what brings you joy, see first option, yeah, right? Option. And our first. first option is to connect ourselves with ourselves and connect ourselves with the planet. So me and Crystal had many conversations about this stuff, yeah? All about pelvises, all about ligaments and things and all about the different tissues that get erect and how they're all really similar to all of the plants. His great love is plants. My great love is bodies, fannies and babies and plants. So together we decided to birth something that would inform people of our connections. And it went really well for a really good six months. And we did loads and loads of work. And then he died, which, yeah, was a transformational terrible wonderful experience because 
basically in short now he's the pikey jesus <laughs> all his words in his movies are all over the youtube and um yeah i made the forager's rune tarot informed by all of his pictures and all of his knowledge and with a mix of my knowledge yes yeah? so now we've got this awesome set of cards that is based in the elements earth air fire water and spirit each one has got a picture of an indigenous plant. Each soup has got an energetic healing moment and an elemental power moment. And yeah, they're basically really beautiful and a tool to share with people. So when they go out into the woods, they connect with the plants that are around them because some of us really don't want to get into our bodies yet. Yeah, but we've realized we want to connect with our nature. And this is one of the bridging tools. Yeah, it says, peace on earth, goodwill, love and goodwill to all beings on the back, which is my eternal pledge whenever I get out there. That's what I always pledge. I just go, yes, this is what I'm doing. Peace within and without. Love and goodwill to all beings. Just that, yeah. And it seems to be working. Yeah. So these are the Forager's Room Tarot. Me and continue to create them together. Yeah. Even though he hasn't got a body anymore. And it's a bit funny that we're doing this just after just after the Christian, all that stuff. Because this is like, yay, he is risen. Can you, can you just <laughs> fan them out a minute? Day. Just in case anyone actually sees them, just, just quickly fan out a, a few just so we can see beauty. So they've got cut, yeah, you've got images on the one side, and then what on the back is it's all oh you've got the chukure. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Beautiful. Yeah. I've just ordered feminine the feminine energy for each element and masculine elemental power for each element. Perfect. So what we'll do is, in order for those who are listening to actually have a, a um, visual experience of this, I'll make sure with your permission that we have a, a visual of the cards and also the images we're going to be talking through on the Star Peace Facebook page. Um, so yeah, you can go to you can go to my Facebook page or my website and I'm putting up a card every single day. I started I started at the end of May and I'm going to be putting up a card every day until midsummer, which is when Crystal died. Oh. Yeah. So just that. Yeah. And so all of what he helped give birth to by the time I finish this mission, there's another 40 cards to go yet. Yeah, all of his works and all of the links to all of his things will be there and people can utilize it and then he will forever be alive in every single person who ever picks a flower and eats a flower for the first time. And yeah, that that's what, what I'm doing. What an honor of someone's physical existence and their soul existence, because you are doing that bridge of the energetic aliveness, right? And yeah, you know, this man was super Super, super special to you he was your lover your friend is on so many levels everything right and it's a huge huge thing you've been through a lot of death in your time in the time I've known you you've been you you travel that journey and I think that's so important for us to touch on because when we're not scared of death anymore we're much much less easy to manipulate and control right and and it is about like how long we're here for what is this journey about and how we do miss those we love dearly in their physical presence how they live on through their creations through our co-creations is phenomenal 
And again, love has no bounds, right? All these fences, all of these things, they, they are just pretend. The boundaries are pretend in terms of the physical boundaries. When you talked about roots and boundaries before, in terms of us harnessing the power that we have for change, that is that is so important because there are so many awakening people on this planet right now that are ungrounded, unboundaried, emotional empaths, feeling the pain of the world, suffering for the world without realizing that that isn't their job, that isn't their mission. And actually, they're not powerful when they're doing that. They're just amplifying the pain. So all of us need to understand this very well in order to fly high, we need to be well-rooted. Otherwise, we're gonna just fall apart, right? We also need the boundaries of our energy field to contain us also that we know when we're pushing against and recognize that anger is a very valid emotion as is rage when our boundaries are being pushed, crossed, not respected. But no one's gonna respect them unless we respect our own. And this is the boundary because Final thing about birth that I just want to drop in here is most of the complications we have around birth have come about as a result of restricting women's movements, restricting their emotions, restricting their truth, restricting their ability to birth the way they want to birth, restricting their sexual pleasure, their sense of what it means to be in the feminine, like really in our fullness. We've had so much indoctrination, whether it's religious, cultural, societal. As you said, the last 80 years, women have been invited in, well, allowed into the medical community and the scientific community. At the same time, sadly, what has happened is we have in some ways misunderstood what, how we have to be. And it's perhaps how we've needed to be to be accepted to this point. But now we have a new choice, which is what does it really mean to be empowered in the feminine? If we are wearing a female body suit, but we're acting like the wounded masculine or the wounded feminine, but primarily the wounded masculine in a women's suit, then we're just a different exterior, but the interior is the same in terms of what's being pushed out. If you don't like what I'm saying, just say it, right? But I'm just, this, this has really been so many powerful women in the world around us. We have to ask the question, are they rooted in their feminine? or not? Are they rooted in their womb and their heart power and their yoni power or not? Are they abusing that power? Do we know what it means to actually really own it without manipulating, without trying to control through it, right? This is the discussion. And more than that, my one of my first teachers is Dr. Francoise Friedman, who's a medical anthropologist professor at Cambridge University. And she spent years in the Amazon following and being invited into a particular tribe because she spent so much time with them. They were nomadic. They didn't even know what a transverse lie was, a breach baby. These, these words did not exist when she first went out there and started working with them. This lady's now 70 plus so she's you know she's been around a long time working with them and supporting now the granddaughters right of the elders that she was actually working with when she was a young woman herself going there pregnant once women were moved into compounds once this nomadic tribe was moved into a compounded space this is when they started to have stillbirths this is when they started to have transverse lies breech babies i remember when i was teaching pregnancy yoga at the life center in in uh, central london when we had the economic crash i can't remember exactly when it was two, 2008 2009 because it was when my mum died as well 
that suddenly all these women were coming with transverse lie babies. Suddenly the babies were like not the right way round. And these were the, the wealthy women of the wealthy bankers, right? That suddenly were like fucked, right? And it's like how unsafe we feel affects the next generation and whether they feel like they can actually come into the world and be born, right? And it's like understanding many of the complications that we have today are down to how we've lost our way, right? And how we have not been allowed the freedom of our beingness. We've had to conform, we've had to be restricted. Is there anything you wanna to say to that? Yeah, I agree, yeah. Our separation from ourselves, yeah, this like unrooted, unconnectedness, this is an illness that we've all been born with in this last few generations, yeah? And I decided to make a solution for it, yeah? Because most of us have been terrified by religion, so we won't have anything to do with spiritual. And even if you're even slightly not posh, any talk about spirituality generally is memory, oh, fuck off, you fucking hippie, right? So I decided <laughs> that I would do something about that, yeah? Because anyone who calls me an effing hippie will have something to say about it. <laughs> and I decided what I'd do is help us remind ourselves that our attention comes from our roots yeah so if you say meditation to most people of my generation they'll go oh, right so i've changed it i made meditations that are a minute long yeah that are moving around that are dancing that have songs yeah for people with short attention spans to help them breathe themselves back into their roots back into their heart back into their branches and connect the both two together yeah because i'm a person who when I was young, I just couldn't concentrate ever. Yeah, we could go into the reasons, right? But we know, yeah, like, 8,000 years of patriarchy. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Call it anything you want, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it anything you want. But there was that bit in the middle. It was a bit traumatic. Most of our physical bodies are informed by this 8,000 years worth of trauma. You don't have to process it if you don't want to, but you could start reconnecting yourself to yourself and your energy supply, which is the planet. Yeah, so... I do those meditations and I send them out quite regularly. If you looked on Lara Fairy Love 2021, you will find all of my meditations and songs from last year when I walked around the Isle of Wight to raise money to fund the printing and the processing of the Foragers Rune Tarot. So yeah, if you look at those, they will help. Yeah, there's tapping processes to help you process things. And what I want to really empower people to realize is that all past and all thought is purely that is past yeah and we're going to choose what we bring forward but we've got to notice it first yeah and sometimes when you notice something horrible me i'm all spider energy me yeah if i notice something bad i fucking run straight towards it yeah i just run straight towards it me yeah and until i started to realize what that energy was in me I always put myself in danger but slowly slowly I've learned by moving some of the stuff out of the way that I didn't want to carry anymore by putting down that great big bag of shit that I was carrying from all these other generations I've learned to sometimes to stand back and have a look and you go oh yeah it's not my job to fix that it's my job to work out how to be in my peace so I can communicate the wisdom of the life lived so far 
from the small child born in the 70s in a small town in the middle of nowhere to normal people empowered by the television. Yeah, they're lovely people. I love them, but they're informed by the television. Yeah, there's a story that we lived in until I left. Yeah, and I have discovered the rest of the world in this 30 years. And now I'm here to share that and reconnect it back because my mum and dad now in their 80s are growing a garden and learning how to compost and doing that stuff. Yeah, mm. and finally reconnecting after being people who were totally convinced by like the telly that all you got to do is go out and earn money so you can spend money on stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're the other end of it now and it's working. And I, and I have kept the love through the whole thing because mm. halfway through, obviously, we weren't talking to each other because why would you? Because you thought it was all their fault until you worked yourself out and realised that they're just in the story too. Nothing's their fault. And all you've got to do is do love and love will just continue the communication. I know I keep loving them and they keep loving me. And it works, eh? Even when they say the most ridiculous things and they do the most ridiculous things and I'm sure they think I do too. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but we do the love and we do the healing. And, you know, I've taught my mum the song. She's got me as a favourite on her YouTube channel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so she has her daughter on the telly now, which is cool. Yeah, and I sing songs to her and she does meditations and all those things. We are the bridges. If we you, can you've, replaced, thing, you've replaced the replaced the television with a new television and that that's the beauty of this this is it we can we can take the very things that one could argue have been used against us and actually use the very same tools instruments etc to shift the narrative so let's do this let's go into the roots of our story because i've brought this up on the screen now our listeners will need to refer to the documents that we'll make sure you have access to but just take us through this quickly, if you if you don't mind. Okay, do you want to go from the beginning? Okay, so this stuff we know. Yeah, so patriarchy called the oldest Stone Age, Paleolithic, yeah, like it's Latin. Most, most of the names we know are from Latin and Greek, yeah? Right, yeah. so some of the stuff we do know is that 80,000 years ago, there was a blue stone circle where Stonehenge is now. Yeah, 70,000, 75,000 years ago, there's like caves in South Africa with like handprints and stuff on them and all these different stories of people. Yeah, like 50,000 years old, the Venus of Holfell was found in Northern Europe. Like, yeah, there's the Ring of Broder in the Orkney Islands. Yeah, all of these things have shown evidence of women as being healers within a society that was co-creative with this physical realm and the spiritual realm. Yeah, like there was loads of it around. Yeah, right. So that's the old Stone Age. And then there was this like Middle Stone Age, Mesolithic, and everything got a little bit hairy. Yeah, like there was loads of hoo-ha went down. There was loads of tsunamis, loads of all this kind of stuff. Yeah, volcanoes. And there was this kind of deterioration of that cultural form that had probably been there for more than 80,000 years, but we haven't got any further back than that. Yeah, yeah. So then we get the... Yeah, so we get, we're going on what what is recorded history uh, recorded in our past i don't want to say because it annoys me now but (laughs) you get what i mean yeah yeah man and so after that we've got the new stone age so when i was a kid we just used to get taught there was a stone age and men used to grab women and hit them over the head with a club and drag them into a cave that's all we got taught about the stone age yeah Mm -hmm. but it turns out quite a lot went on 
Yeah, quite a lot went on. There was all these different goddesses. There's all these things all over the world. There's like Kali in India. There's like the Chinese one with a very long name that I can never say. But she was a little bit like the shalanagig of like Ireland and all that kind of stuff, yeah? yeah? And after you got all those people, we were just, yeah, this is before the big people. There, there was a wave. What happened after the old stone, what happened after the new stone age there was a wave of people some people say it was the fall of atlantis yeah but the whole cultural norms they all changed yeah and in their place we got these people we got the beaker people we got the kurgans the Aryans, the argonads and in these stories that we found from these people from the sumerians and the assyrians and the babylonians we get these new goddesses yeah who who are kind of like the goddess of creation of before, who we don't really know, but it was all about the people and the planet and the stuff. But she's got a story now of falling into darkness and sometimes being saved by a male god. And over this time, Ishtar and Inanna and Namu and Nana and all these kind of people started to happen. Yeah, but slowly. Yeah, and at the end of it, there was this place in Turkey called Katul Hayek. Yeah, that's got loads of evidence and showing of like people. Yeah, I'm here with you, babe. Yeah. yeah. Right, but after that, what happened after that? Text? So Turkey cattle hives are amazing. If you ever want to look into it, it's amazing. Like, wow, all these people were living like bees in a hive and there was all this ritual and wonderfulness going on. That's cool. So around the Mesopotamian age, which is just before the Egyptians, yeah, around the Indus Valley, this is when the change of power started to happen, yeah? And those stories of these big, all-powerful goddesses with a male consort, start to change to big powerful goddesses who needed a male savior to save them from some darkness they couldn't cope with. And so that basically informed the Mesopotamian and the Egyptian and the Macedonians. <laughs> mm -hmm, <laughs> right, and that mm -hmm. went on for a while, yeah, until by the end of the Macedonians and as we get into the Greeks and all in the Alexandrians and all like that, the stories become men are now the creators of humans. And women are now only vessels. Yeah, there's no, there's no goddessness. It's starting to change into actually, you know, the Egyptians were the last of it. We still had Isis, but she had Horus, who was really quite yeah, and Osiris, and they were all quite as large or bigger than her. When I was at school, I never learned about Isis. Did learn about Tutankhamun. Yeah, as it go on, and then there's the Greeks. So when you've got the Greeks, this is when people start writing things down about women. The Egyptians wrote a little bit about wandering wombs. And diseases of women, yeah, and the. I'm recording, yeah. The things in hour, and I've just, I've just probably done about half an hour now. Excuse me. <laughs> That's all right. Let's bring it back. Real life. So around there, the Greeks started writing stuff, and what the Greeks wrote about the human body—that's what's been informing us. For a very long time yeah that's been informing us since the first century yeah so by the time you've got the birth of christianity by the time you've got the, by the time you've got the birth of christianity all new things are starting to happen there's the romans they've all got these ideas and what happens really is the roman empire falls there's just war across europe and asia and we've got the dark ages yeah and then we come into the middle ages about eight fifth to the 15th century this is going to astound you Right, so for a thousand years after the Greeks, already a bit misinformed, wrote about women, 
for a thousand years, those were the only texts allowed. No research was allowed and everyone was informed for a thousand years by this stuff, which was implemented violently. Yeah, so from the 5th to the 15th century. Mental, hey? Just think yeah, about yeah. that. It was trauma, trauma informed stuff. You're like, crikey. But then we've got our hero, who was probably who was probably Keanu Reeves in another life, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah? And he was like that. Bum to all of that. I'm going to do the research anyway. Draw some majestic pictures and draw pictures of people being all people, not just boys or girls. Yay, Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. But, you know, they were in the paradigm. So... What can you just can you just go back because you just went over it really quickly and it's like it's really important. So a thousand for a thousand years, you you said that all was all that was allowed was basically what they told us. And who was that? The Galen. Is Galen. Galen. Yeah, right. And he was the first person, first Greek dude, to start writing down. He wrote the first complete treatise on the human body. Right. Right. Yeah. So Plato wrote some plays backing up the idea of women being hysterical, yeah, and equating it to demonic possession. Wow. Uh, so Galen wrote the book and Plato wrote plays and stories supporting this idea. Kind of sounds a bit like what's been going on in the last couple of years, doesn't it? Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Always oh. makes me smile, but you've got to keep a sense of humour. Yes. You yeah, because the next bit might make you feel a little bit upset. Right, because now we're going to get into what's happened since they put all that in place, yeah, to the to the women. So we don't know what happened to women in the Dark Ages and Middle Ages, apart from lots of stories about burnings and governments um, apologising about that. Now. But anyway, moving swiftly on. So in the 16th century, men started to discover bits of the female body, working on dead women's bodies, yeah, and some women who were alive who they didn't believe had souls, so they did that stuff. Yeah, right. And they started to name all the different things. So everybody knows about their fallopian tubes, don't they? Do you yeah. know that they were named by Dr. Gabriel Fallopius? No. Because he discovered them in 1562. Yeah, no. they weren't there before, apparently. Right. He also named the clitoris, the womb and the vagina. The clitoris was, the, sorry, he named the clitoris, the womb and the vagina. Yeah. Right. Also, so you love this. Right. So. The Greek for clitoris, right, originally is this feminine energy. Yeah, clitoris is feminine energy. But the Greek, the Greek clean means to, to shut away. So they've mixed the two words together to mean shut away female energy in Greek. That's what clitoris means. Shut away female energy. Mental, hey? Are right, you ready for the next bit? Go right, on. So your vagina, vagina, its literal translation is sheath or scabbard for your sword. Say that again. Sheath or? Or scabbard for your sword. What's a scabbard? Scabbard, it's the thing you keep your sword in. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you love the other bit, yeah? Guess what anus is in Greek? Ring for the finger. <laughs> My matron, you don't say. So, you know, if ever you feel a bit weird when people are calling your body parts these bits, this is why. Yeah, because actually 
they mean that. It's just that we don't know that because most of us from state schools didn't learn any Greek. So there's so we've had clitoris, we've had vagina, we've had anus. What was there was another word you said as well? Mm. Womb. What does womb stand? And I haven't researched that bit yet. Yeah, apart from the fact that originally the word womb, the the place that's called the womb was called the matrix. Yeah, so the Egyptians called it the matrix. Yeah, right. Stop. 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 Know. Stop. Pause. Yeah. This is really important. Keanu, this is important. The matrix. Yeah, the matrix, place of creation. Of course. And it is the space that when we clear we clear up our womb toxicity, which I, you know, I take that from Dr. Michel Audon, who I trained as a doula with, and Liliana Lemers, as you know, us just owning what is there and making choices about what we want to bring forward. It's like that we have been indoctrinated with so much shame, guilt, blame, you know, all of that stuff that's been coming in. To to create life we want to consider the environment we're creating life in right it's like your energy field your physical body all of that it's like how do i feel am i making a baby because i should make a baby because i'm this age and this is what you do and all the rest of it or am i making a baby or conceiving a project an idea whatever that i'm really passionate and excited about right that excitement and passion it's almost like being it's been written out of our bodies we're not allowed to have it right it's huge you, you, you want to know how go on you want to know how so the way it was then written out of our body was you know around the 1500s and all this stuff where all these bits got discovered but you know this is this is before the georgians this is when corsets really took off wow yeah? right so the georgians and the victorians there was just a little bit before that both of the georges and then the victorians and towards the edwardians yeah throughout this whole time there was experiments, operations, medications, all tested on women to cure them of their terrible need to have their own opinion or have their own sexual empowerment. Yeah, right. And it was called hysteria. And yeah, corsets is all I can say about that. Yeah, corsets. Yeah, make you smaller, make you not breathe deep into your belly, make you not able to expand your cavern of creation, make you wish it was smaller and invisible. Wow. Cut off your womanhood. Just yeah, cut, cut off your womanhood, yeah. Chop you off. Yeah. Like if you ask my mum, yeah, my mum will tell you that, like, you know, she 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 doesn't pay attention to anything below her belly button. Yeah. She look after her feet. But yeah, none of that stuff. You don't talk about that stuff. Yeah, God told you if you even think about it, you're gonna go to hell. Yeah. 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 Do you know what I mean? In the Middle Ages, they were getting fathers and mothers to like offer up their daughters because they didn't want them to go to hell. Yeah, and all she was doing was going, oh, this is quite exciting. I might touch it. Yeah. Right. So then we have a few heroes coming up now. Yeah. So right at the end of the 1800s, yeah, we get Jean-Martin Carico. He's amazing. Frenchman. Yeah, right. And he went, hang on a minute. Hysteria is actually a condition which could be created by trauma. And it could actually be be caused by the models of masculinity. It really, really could. It could be caused by that, yeah? And everyone went around and didn't really think about him. So a little bit later, give it another, like, 50 years, Sigmund Freud came along, which this interests me, right? So Sigmund Freud, he's like, right, hysteria is definitely trauma-based, yeah? And it's all about sexual repression, abuse, and violence. And the thing that no one ever taught me about Freud, they always talk about him, psychoanalysis and all that, 
They don't teach you that he is the man who went, no, no. Hysteria can also be felt by men. This is not a female condition and it doesn't come from your womb. It comes from sexual repression, abuse and violence. Wow. Good old Freud. Yeah. And that's where psychoanalysis comes from. Yeah. Because people needed to talk through this stuff so they could witness what it was. Yeah. Amazing. 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 Yay. Well, Sigmund Freud. Then what happens? Because at the moment, yeah, you know, most people still go, no, no, shut up. Yeah. Like it's not like that at all, really. But then we have two really massive events. Yeah. We have World War One and World War Two. And in this time, what happens to the people is people became bigger killers of people than nature. Until that point, nature was the biggest killer. Great big sky goddess of terribleness, yeah, who always punishes us with her tsunamis and her everything. So, yeah, all of a sudden, we became bigger killers of people. That's mm. a heavy thing. <laughs> That's a heavy thing, yeah. People were traumatised. You couldn't just pretend that women were the only people traumatised anyway. You couldn't even pretend it, yeah, and you couldn't handle it either. So what did they do? The 1930s and 40s, women were finally allowed into medicine as doctors because you couldn't say they were too hysterical anymore because there's loads of hysterical men. And wouldn't you know, what seemed to calm them down the most was some women holding a bit of emotional power. Some women yeah. holding, say that again. What? Say that last bit again because you cut out a little bit. Yeah, women finally holding some emotional medicinal power. Yeah. And you, yeah. Um, this... This thing about the world wars is so important because if we actually look at the people that are currently making decisions, whether it's the World Economic Forum, whether it's the World Health Organization, whether it's the trillionaires, the billionaires that currently exist, they all fall either in post-World War I or post-World War II ages as babies, right? They're in the 80s, 90s or 60s, 70s. And it's like, we have to understand this impact of this tremendous time of global threat, right? Whether it was made, whether it was made up in terms of propaganda, which we know there is so much propaganda out there in the world, there always has been in terms of the way messages are passed along. But the important thing here is that the um, the messaging that has been received all this time has been one where we don't recognize the impact of our time in the womb and our early life. We don't recognize the impact of the circumstances of our conception, of how supported a woman felt in her pregnancy, of how she gave birth, of how she was able to nurture her baby and therefore mitigate the potential issues that are in our development because our nervous system, our brain, our heart, all of our systems develop in the womb, right? They don't develop yeah. afterwards, they develop in the womb. That they, they continue to develop, but they're already set. So this is like so wow. And I'm aware of time and we'd probably yeah. be going near on if not over an hour. I just want to bring yeah, this in stay for an hour if we can. to this is a story that needs to be told. I mean, what an amazing blockbuster movie would this be, right? If we actually get the, the story, not if, when we get the story out there in terms of the way that you've put it together. Do you want to speak a little bit about how you've woven this into that? Okay, yeah. So the story started because I realised that I was a writer. When, when, I finished, when I finished giving birth to my son and like working out all that stuff and finally getting the healing, I was like, no, no, I am a writer and I have a story to tell. 
And as I started to write the story, I realised it was informed by my life, but also by all of the lives that this soul has ever lived, because it's the story of all of us. And so I hinged it on the different sections of the year that we can that we can see and that we know in this informed reality that we live on this English island. Yeah, and I informed it with the cycles of the plants and I informed it with the cycles of the moon because these are all things we can see and feel right here because one of my biggest things is to bring all this stuff that's been cosmic airy fairy woo into a very practical, sturdy, sustainable thing which can help us recreate our reality and regenerate our reality. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I started to write it and I write it in the style of Dion Fortune and Starhawk, yeah, which is you write the story and the processes happen to you. Yeah, and the processes happen to you. You don't have to do anything, but you could also use it to inform you to then do a process for yourself. Yeah, and you live through the two characters, one's living a day and one's living a year. And so the story helps you go, oh yeah, time kind of not really there, really, kind of is there. And it just gently gives you a story. Then if you ever read the Celestine Prophecy, it's also a yeah. little bit like that. Yeah, it's like a romping yarn that has stuff going on in it that you can pay attention to or not. Yeah. And that's why I wrote it like that. Yeah, because not everyone's got a brain that wants to plough for all that stuff. Some people just need a story. It just does this little twinkle on the edge of them and then they carry on and it's like nothing's happened. But something really big has happened. And that's my most need. My most need, most want is for people to realise that you don't have to bring everything here and get it all out and unpack it all anymore. That time is done. Yeah, you just witness something feels uncomfortable, allow it to rise, allow yourself to pass it on to people who can deal with it because you don't want to and you don't have to. Yeah, you just get it on and move that bit out of you. It's not yours, you can move it. And that's what these stories help people to do. Yeah, it's like, a story of self-discovery so obviously these teenage girls they go through their first periods they go through their first masturbations they go through their first boyfriends they go through their first childbirths they go through the deaths of things they go through the lives of things they go through their connection to themselves and their wisdom all the way through until they die yeah and once they've died in the last one you can then read the stories again, but then you have a different perspective because then you have a perspective of the whole life of the people, which has informed the lives that these people are living. And it means that then you can go anywhere in the story and pick one up and put one down whenever you want. What, what I'm hearing with that is this is kind of the awakening of, of the oxytocin codes, if you like. Yes. We have, if we want to change a global addiction, you have to meet people where they're at. People are... <laughs> in adrenaline addiction so we, we have a whole story here that will induce adrenaline and, and all that but it's like taking us to the next level of actually the memory of us being whole and healed and one and everything you've talked about is there it's already mm. there it is in our cellular memory if we go back enough we're all the survivors we're all the winners we're here today by virtue of the fact that whatever mother nature mother god did before humans became the biggest killers of humans we're still we're here Right. So we are here to reactivate what I would call the divine matrix codes. And we have decommissioned the fear matrix codes. This is the process of the awakening. And, you know, I love what you say in the sense that people don't have to do anything. Just recognize our internal and intrinsic wholeness. That is enough. 
but the brain is so conditioned the mind is so overactive if you like our energy fields are so polluted with unprocessed stuff the the fastest easiest way to deal with it is to get out of your head into your heart reconnect with nature through the soles of your feet through your connection through your hands because it's all there that's how you can drain if you like what is toxic transmute it into what is regenerative life affirming there is something though in us all being world bridges because you're a world bridger i'm a world bridger where we almost have to satisfy the mind enough with a bit of knowledge and wisdom like you're sharing now to go oh okay i can give myself permission to have this new reality now and that's that's the journey so i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap this up with basically how people can connect with you how they can find you because this story needs to get out there um i would like to invite you again so we can talk a little bit more maybe just do a short session just on the story that is like yeah. wow this is this epic tale that needs to be told and actually like to do one specifically you know for the cards and one specifically for the other books as well yeah yeah, yeah. Do we once can. a month or something you know what i mean well, we have the Starpiece um, Facebook page, which I'm going to be going live on in a minute, because that is all about actually rewriting the narrative. And we can do some specific pieces on that. I think that would be absolutely yeah. amazing because um, it is we're, we're all part of each other's story. Like I love that energetically we've known each other for aeons. You know, I love that somehow divine grace, the invisible hand, whatever we want to call it has brought us together again to share this in this world. And we've known each other for so long, but we haven't actually activated our connection fully until now. This is yeah. this is it, right? So yeah. we're here. So larafairylove.co.uk. We'll, we'll put this in the links anyway for people. That's your website, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of the foraging cards, that's where they can get the cards from. And yeah, that's where you, you go to larafairylove.co.uk. You go to the contact form. You fill the contact form out with your address and your request for the cards. And that comes to me. And then I will send you an email with the other details. Okay, so that's, that's how we get the cards. Um, we also have, I mean, we didn't talk about the books. We'll do that another time. No, we're doing that another day, yeah. The Princess and the Pooh, I mean you know like all about phenomenon, man. <laughs> it's just it's an amazing book i remember reading it and just thinking every every girl needs this book like every child should be read every boy everyone should be read this book right it's it's literally like let's have this information you've brought new ones through but if people want to connect with well anything that you have put out there you have your youtube channel again and that's lara fairy love right yeah, Laura Fairy Love 2021 is the most newest one, but there's also yeah. Laura Fairy Love from the year before. Okay. And then you have, like you said, your website, larafairylove.co.uk. If people are interested in your doula training and all the other bits and bobs that you're doing, what's the website for that? Yeah, just go to the website, yeah, and that tells you all of the different things that I do. And okay. yeah, it's got all the contact details on there, and then you can just whichever way pleases you do that so you can phone me you can email me you can text me you can message me How, whatever floats your boat yeah all access i also have a patreon account so that is also called lara fairy love patreon's this new thingy i'm endeavoring to do because the kids say it's good yeah and it means that if you are the kind of person who's got a spare tenner a week 
then you could stick it in there and sponsor me and my works until yeah. we get to the point where I've got so much money to do my works that I can start sponsoring other people. <laughs> I know, and I think let's seed our intention to the collective. This is why Star Peace is now becoming an award and it's not just a movement because we want to marry those who have got the resources yeah. um, in terms of putting things out there into the world. They have the know-how, the resources, the connections to then take these amazing creations, co-creations, and take them into the mainstream arena. This is how we change the narrative and collective. So Ooh. this is what we're seeding now. And you are the first that I've brought forward with this intention. So I'm really excited about that. In the meantime, folks, whilst we're building that, because that's all brand new, literally in the last few days come about, um, please do support Lara through Patreon and obviously through all of her amazing products that she's put out in the world already. Let's take them from the fringe and make them mainstream because it is time now for those who are heeding this call. And it is so exciting because, you know, I just want to finish. I don't know if you know about Anne Baring, but she's she's a Oxford graduate, I believe, in her 80s. And she did a wonderful piece that I heard as a podcast about the matriarchy at the time of the matriarchy and then the time of the patriarchy, the matriarchy being the lunar era, the patriarchy being the solar era. And this then she started talking about the current era is the era of the stars, which my friend, my colleague, my client, Sarah Wasworth named uniarchy. It is the time of unified consciousness. It is the time of the child being well supported to thrive. We are all star seed children. Those of us who are hearing this message, we are here to remember we're souls in physical bodies and to activate as much of our soul light as possible in our cellular structure so we shine our light brightly and that is then a choice others have free will to do through our example right that's that's the excitement that brings you and me together and the note i'd like to leave this on is there anything you would like to say as a sort of final final keynote for everybody <sighs> if you want to do it do it yeah <laughs> just do it yeah. The time is now. The light has prevailed. Let's get on it. The light has won, baby. Let's let's get the memo out to everyone because it's it's already won. It already has. So I am so grateful to you, Laura, for spending this time. Oh, with more of this. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Thank <laughs> you so much. I'm very excited for the next level of our co-creation. So thank you all for listening. Any questions you have, anything else you would like us to go into, anything you'd like to ask Laura in the future or you want us to dive deeper into, to please do respond to us, let us know, and we will make sure that we meet that desire with our passion. Ta-ra for now. Groovy. All right then, love. I'm going to have to go now. See you later. <laughs> I'll just press the pause. Mwah. Mwah.